This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello and welcome to Finsider Radio. This is MC Money. I'm joined by Zertan, the Creepy Soccer Dad, and House MD. And we have a great show lined up for you this week as we will be joined in just a few seconds. Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting. He's going to offer us his insights on the NFL draft and what may work for the Miami Dolphins. We'll also lay out the Dolphins draft plans later in the show and touch on Jarvis Landry. But we're going to get right into it now with Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting on Twitter at NDT Scouting. Kyle, of course, one of the well-known draft nicks on Twitter, doing a lot of great work with his prospectus and the website and collaborating with a lot of different guys such as Joe Marino. And he's really picked up his game over the past several years and has risen to the top in terms of information that comes out during the draft and even throughout the entire year. It's a year-round job for him. And he does a tremendous job. Kyle, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Yeah, it's always great to get together and talk some Miami Dolphins football. So uh, this is this is kind of our time of year, right? It's, yeah, yeah. The opportunity to <laughs> kind of dial in on some fresh faces to come in, and uh, certainly needed for Miami this year. That I think more than anything else, this team just needs playmakers. I don't care what position they play; they need playmakers on both sides of the football. All right, well, let's jump right into that then. First round, we have all the smoke, and who knows if it's smoke, right? You got Josh Rosen talk, you got Baker Mayfield talk, you got Josh Allen coming in for a visit. I don't think the Dolphins are interested in Josh Allen. I think that's more of a, A, due diligence, and B, let's throw some more people off with things. Um, and then you're also hearing the targets that I am uh, believe, I, I firmly believe that these are the guys they're zeroing in on. That's Derwin James, Mika Fitzpatrick, Tremaine Edmonds, and Roquan Smith. Uh, Vita Vita is also being thrown there in the mix. I don't think the Dolphins will go in that direction. But, Kyle, based on 
the conversations you have with agents, with insiders around the league, this quarterback talk, it's not going away. It's been getting stronger and stronger and stronger, but the affinity and love for Baker Mayfield is, has been going on for several months. Now, we can either, A, give the Miami Dolphins the benefit of the doubt, or B, think that they have absolutely no clue what they're doing and are just throwing this completely out there for everybody to see. You know, based on their past history, you might want to be cynical and say they have no clue what they're doing. I personally want to give them the benefit of the doubt. They have Adam Gase in there. He's a smart guy. Tannenbaum's not the dumbest guy out there. He's, he's smart. He knows what he's doing when it comes to this. I personally think that Rosen is their guy if a quarterback falls, possibly to number six with the Colts. I believe they have a handshake deal in place, as that's what's been reported. But what have you been hearing, Kyle, on all of this with the Dolphins and their first-round pick? Uh, I'll tell you this. I think that the uh, the Baker Mayfield love fest is going to be all for naught, regardless of its legitimacy. Uh, he's likely going to New York, from what I understand. Jets <laughs> uh, yeah. three seems to be a lot of people that I talk to really drawing on that connection between those two and saying that that's a likely scenario to see play out, especially because we know Cleveland's not going to be going that direction at one. And uh, the Giants are kind of a a really odd wild card, but any of the trade-up options that you hear about seems to be about teams talking about uh, Josh Allen and his physical upside. So uh, I think there's surprisingly a, a really strong chance that Josh Rosen ends up on the board at six which is weird because he's huh. the most pro-ready of the, of the quarterback. So I guess we'll find out if this does, does come to terms. I was just speaking with somebody about this, and they asked me right now if I had to mock the top five, how would it look? And right now I have Darnold one to Cleveland. I have the Giants selecting Bradley Chubb at two. Mm-hmm. The uh, Jets taking Baker Mayfield at three. Uh, I've also been told that Bradley Chubb's kind of the guy that the Browns have their eyes on it for, and that's kind of why they're drumming up this potential interest in Josh Allen, trying to manipulate the board behind him to try and get him to go on another pick, trying to get another quarterback-hungry team to try and make a move. Uh, So they're very likely to trade out. Buffalo potentially trading up for Josh Allen. There's been a lot of interest drawn there in that regard, and they certainly have the ammunition to do it. And then from what I understand, Denver kind of has eyes on on Quentin Nelson, the offensive guard from Notre Dame. So if that comes to pass, you're going to see, as crazy as it is, Saquon Barkley and Baker Mayfield, uh, Josh Rosen, the two names that are still on the board at six, which is wild to me. Saquon Barkley at six is definitely wild. And the Colts, that would be tough for them to pass up on. Um, Very tough for them to pass up on. But this Baker Mayfield, I love the guy. He's my QB1. I believe he's your QB one too, according to the big board with That's the quarterbacks. Um, you know, it just seems like this is coming out two weeks before the draft with the Jets. Part of me wants to believe that they're throwing out smoke screens too in order to get someone up, either no to have not get someone up to jump them to number two and possibly pick Josh Rosen or Josh Allen, their guy that they may really want at three, or is this being leaked out of the organization and they have no control over what's going out there right now? So the, the Jets' motivations, I don't, I don't necessarily know what they have to gain with, with any false information out there. Um, it, it just kind of seemed like from what the people that I've spoken with that, that made the connection, it made it just really seem like that was the Jets' guy and they felt there was some confidence there that 
you know, when they made the decision to jump from six to three, that, that he would be there based on what they knew about the other candidates and uh, not sure who would be making a move this late in the game and giving the Giants the King's ransom that they want for Baker Mayfield. So right. uh, the, the Jets' aggressiveness to trade up to three as early as they did was a bit unorthodox. Uh-huh. Uh, it takes a lot of trust that the board's going to fall that way, but it, it seems like uh, if everything that – that's been communicated to me or, and to the people that I've spoken with secondhand that have talked about this, uh, it may end up dropping in their favor, which, you know, for Dolphins fans may be a hard pill to swallow, especially since many huh. of them are, are fans of Baker Mayfield and seeing him go to the Jets. Yeah, that's going to be tough to watch uh, twice a year. And I, we all know that I'm a huge Baker Mayfield fan. Kyle, before we get into the Miami Dolphins, really diving into what their draft plans look like, what they might be doing well, Let's just talk general NFL rumors for just this one question. Um, San Francisco 49ers, Ruben Foster being charged with felonies today. Are they now looking at linebacker when they are on the board in the top 10 there, or are they still going to try to go offense there, possibly wide receiver? I, I think San Francisco is a really strong candidate to, to take their pick between Tremaine Edmonds and Roquan Smith. Uh, Foster's in trouble. And if, if these reports that have come out through the DA today are true, Reuben Foster may never step foot on a football field ever again. There are some Three very felonies, ugly, yeah. very, very ugly reports coming out in this, this indictment of him. So uh, San Francisco should count on him for nothing. And I think for that reason, the value kind of lines up where you have two upper-tier linebacker prospects uh, historically, if you look at the linebacker, off-ball linebackers and where they're covered in the draft, typically the last five years or so, oh, right after 10 into the teens is when you see the first one come off the board. So this is a little early in terms of value, but this is not a traditional draft class. You have you know, limited blue-chip talent at the top. You've got a lot of quarterbacks that are going to be driven up the boards and Roquan Smith and Tremaine Edmonds are two of the better football players in the class. So San Francisco, I think, uh, is a favorite to draft a linebacker, especially based on what we've heard today about uh, Ruben Foster. Kyle, Hops here. Uh, love your work. Uh, my question is regarding pick 11. And we look at your big board. you got Minka Fitzpatrick as the seventh overall player. Uh, you got Josh Rosen, eight. Whether or not Miami trades up for him, that's yet to be decided. You got guys like Derwin at 15, Roquan Smith at 16. What do you see the Dolphins doing at 11, and what do you think is best for this franchise moving forward? Sure. Uh, you know, I kind of dropped it at the top of the show where my primary interest for Miami is they need playmakers. They need guys yeah. that have a nose for the football. They have guys that can make splash plays. I really love the potential of Derwin James there in Miami. Uh I think his pairing with Rashad Jones would offer them two really dynamic guys that both have the versatility to play up into the box, play along the line of scrimmage, be pressure players. You saw Derwin have a lot of success blitzing at Florida State. Uh, Derwin has some man-to-man ability against uh, tight ends, uh, but he's also capable of playing deep half and, and center field. So I think it would give Miami secondary a lot of multiplicity if you will, you know, the, the ability to, you know, they can drop either safety. They can roll either safety down, play 
either safety as the robber in the shallow areas of the field and use their physicality as a true asset. And Derwin's kind of a unicorn in that regard because he's got that rare size explosiveness and speed combination. Um, so he's the player that I, I really eye and, and I'm, I'm hopeful based on how I anticipate the board to fall. Now, if something happens where maybe Chicago moves out of their, their pick at eight and uh, Tremaine Edmonds is not the pick for San Francisco and Tremaine Edmonds is on the board there for Miami, I think that's, that's the player that I would really have apprehension passing over in favor of a Derwin James just because he's such a unique package as a player. Uh, I thought as you watched Tremaine Edmonds throughout the course of the season this past year, he got better and better at making his reads as the season went on, and he was dominant at the end of the year. And he's 19 years old. He's 6'5", 250, ran 4'5", flat. You see him turn and run and carry running backs down the field stride for stride in man coverage. Just really, really freakish stuff. And I think Miami's linebacking core has been one of the soft spots on this roster for a really long time. So if you're asking me what I'm hoping, I'm hoping it's one of those two players ideally for Miami based on the need that they have. Uh, Adam Gase has come out, kind of vocalized that he's not thrilled with TJ McDonald and they had Kenny Vaccaro in for a visit today or on, uh, on Thursday uh, for a free agent visit. So they're doing their due diligence at the safety position as well. So my personal pick would be, very tightly contested between Tremaine Evans and uh, Derwin James. We're talking to Kyle Krabs of NDT Scouting, at NDT Scouting on Twitter, NDTScouting.com. Kyle, just a few more questions. We're going to toss it now to Sutton. Kyle, first of all, uh, congrats to you and your team on the work that you guys did on your, on your scouting guide here. I've relied on it uh, a lot so far, and I'm just going to get right to a guy that we talked about on Twitter just a few days ago, and I believe your response to this young man was giggity. And we're going to talk about Tremaine Edmonds real quick. And the one weakness that I – and it's manifested itself in a few different ways semantically. It's, you know, it, is he hesitant? Is he not instinctive? It, it seems to allude to the fact that he might be a little slow to diagnose. Did you see that on tape? And if so, is he going to be able to over, overcome that? And if you didn't see that on tape, why do you think that's such a common misconception about Edmonds at this point? I think the highest profile games that Virginia Tech played throughout the course of the season were West Virginia week one and Clemson on September 30th. I was live at both games and I can tell you that those were not the best games that Tremaine Edmonds played. So if you look at Tremaine Edmonds against the more notable competition, West Virginia had a lot of team speed. They run this spread passing attack. Clemson obviously likes to spread the field. They had a mobile quarterback. Uh, He did get his wires crossed a couple of times. He gave up a big touchdown in man coverage simply chasing the wrong player, made a mental error in pass coverage and allowed the, the running back against Clemson to leak out of the backfield and run for a 60-plus yard touchdown on the play. But if you watch his progression from the beginning of the season through and you watch Pittsburgh and North Carolina and OK State at the end of the season, you get a totally different feel for his ability to process plays, 
and anticipation to step down into the teeth of line of scrimmage made a lot of splash plays in the back half of the season. So I think it's fair criticisms for folks to walk away from some of those game films, most notably West Virginia and Clemson, and say, yeah, I'm not really sold on his ability to anticipate a a play and, and have that play diagnosis like you see from Roquan Smith. But go watch Pitt and UNC in November, and you get a totally different vibe. And he's still young. You know, as we said, he's 19. So uh, there, there's the hope that there's going to be some continued uh, maturity as far as seeing plays and recognizing things and, and continuing to hone your craft. So I think the ceiling with him is what the real enticing part and, and prospect of Tremaine Emmons is especially when you package it with the player that he played as in the back half of the season where he was super dynamic and much more effective playing into the teeth of, of plays and into the line of scrimmage. Uh, Kyle, let's go to the opposite side of the ball here. and Let's talk about the offense real quick. And you could really argue coming from a Dolphins perspective that linebacker and tight end are needs 1A and 1B on this roster. Talk a little bit about the tight end group, maybe in general. Where Do you see some depth here? Do you see uh, some top-end talent that Dolphins might be targeting? And then uh, talk a little bit about maybe which player might have the best scheme fit for what uh, the Dolphins might be running this year. Sure. Uh, holy cow, this tight end group needs some work, right? Um, the, the, the Julius Thomas experiment did not go well. Anthony Tassano's out of town. I believe Marquise Gray is listed as the starter on the depth chart right now. It's not going to cut it. Uh, Miami's been soft in this position group for several years. Uh, tried to bring Jordan Cameron back in a couple years ago from Cleveland, and, and that never really materialized. Injuries kind of shut him down. So Adam Gase, if you, if you go back and look historically at Adam Gase's offenses his last year in Denver, his last two years in Denver, and then uh, the year that he was in Chicago is the holdover in between. Uh, this offense runs best with effective tight end play. They got a lot out of Julius Thomas when he was in Denver, and they got a lot out of uh, Zach Miller and Martellus Bennett as the two tight ends when, when Gase had his one year in Chicago. So I think especially when you consider if Miami's going to roll with Ryan Tannehill and, and Ryan Tannehill's, ability to throw into the middle of the field and be accurate in that area and utilize the tight end position. It makes sense that this is a position that needs notable upgrades. So if we kind of take inventory of the tight end group itself, it's an interesting group. It's certainly a group of players at the top of the board that are friendly to the passing style offenses and, and, and utilization of tight ends that you see in today's NFL. Names like Hayden Hurst from South Carolina is kind of a flex guy, but he's capable of playing with his hand in the dirt. Mike Gusecki from Penn State had one of the best athletic testing performances we've ever seen from a tight end at the NFL Combine. Uh, But the name that really stands out for me and the one that I think makes the most sense for Miami is Dallas Goddard from South Dakota State. Small school kid, and I always get the question when I reference a small school kid as a top player in his position – you know, how do you reconcile the level of competition that he played with? You, and you want to see a couple of things. You want to see him physically dominate on film, which Goddard did. You want to see him have elite production. You want to see him meet thresholds for athletic testing and size. And he meets every single one of those requirements. 
Uh, my comparison, I, I wrote about him, profiled him for NBTScotty.com back over the summer. I think it was June or July. And my comp for him was Travis Kelsey. And um, if you put their athletic testing side by side, uh, Dallas has favorable athletic testing to Travis Kelsey in almost every single area, from the long speed to the explosive jumps to the, the change of direction skills. And he's a player that makes his living running a lot of option routes, his ability to diagnose things. And I actually asked him that at the senior bowl this year. I asked him what route he felt he ran best. And he referenced option routes and ability to make reads during the live play based on the leverage of the defender and where his hips are aligned and uh, where he's carrying with his feet and his ability to, to break off of his route stem as needed. And you think about the, the style and approach of Adam Gase and his, his passing offense and how cerebral he asks his players to be. I think that would be a home run marriage for Miami. The question is, are you going to get the opportunity to draft him at 42? And that, that right now seems like it's a little bit up in the air. Thank you for answering Dolphins questions. Let's get to what you guys do over at NDT, how you guys come together, how you, just the process of putting this whole guide together, the work that you guys put into. I feel like scouts have 23 and a half hour days. And just talk a little bit about how uh, the collaboration makes us work. Sure. Uh, So I've got a group of seven guys, myself included, over at NDT Scouting right now. It's an outstanding group, a group that I first started putting together uh, February, March of last year when we kind of expanded outside of just writing uh, the draft guide. So the prospectus that you guys have there, cover to cover everything that's written and published in there is my own views. I watch all 300 players. I do the metrics grading, the bio collection, the publishing of that entire book by myself. But where the value of the team comes in is throughout the course of the summer, we're working on our watch list where we're watching seniors, prominent underclassmen. We're kind of establishing a baseline understanding of the class and where the value is and, and who the, the top tier players are entering the season. And then throughout the course of the season, we watch two or three games each weekend and write game reports on each of those games. So any given weekend, we're, we're writing 15 game reports for college football contests and noting who's the solid performers, who's not, and, and why they're standing out for what ways for good and bad. And then once we get into, you know, the end of November through the beginning of January, end of January, that's when we finalize. We all collaborate and finalize this watch list where we take the Senior Bowl invites, the notable East-West Shrine Game invites, the underclassmen declarations, and any additional uh, NFL Combine invites, and we try and whittle down to a list of 300. So that entire process and that ability to finalize a group of 300 my team is imperative to do, but the real labor of love for me as a scout is I think there's value in me watching all 300 players. I don't want mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. present to you a book where I watched 50 guys, John Ledyard watched 50 guys, Joe Marino watched 50 guys, because they're not graded on the same eye for the game. So I, I have made a concentrated effort over the course of the last five years that I've written these prospectus for each NFL draft class that's come through to watch all 300 players on the list and grade them myself. And, and that's kind of 
you see a lot of draft guys entering the game right now, and each and every one of them brings something unique to the table. And with NDT Scouting, both Joe Marino and I write reports on all 300 players. So Joe has his own separate publication that goes up against mine, and you can hold those two up side by side and see our dueling or similar opinions on all the players. And that gives us a really cool dynamic that you don't get in a lot of different places. All right, Kyle Krabs joining us here on Finsider Radio. Kyle, thank you for explaining the process to us with the draft guide. I know you guys put a ton of work on it. I'm actually on the site right now, and I'm looking at an article from Joe Marino. It says, your first-round QB is likely to be a bust. So some really positive stuff going on there as we get into the draft <laughs> with a lot of uh, hopeful Dolphins fans hoping for a Baker Mayfield or Josh Rosen or something like that. But 20 bucks gets you full access to the website. There is a ton of great information on there. You get the draft guide with that 20 bucks per year. Uh, probably the best draft resource out there in terms of the depth that you just described and the amount of um, information that you got get through the entire year and not just draft season. Kyle, thank you for joining us here on Finsider Radio. Greatly appreciate it. Guys, it was great to chat with you. Let's try and get together after the draft so we can really pick apart this class and, and see what they look like. I would love the chance to hop back on with you all. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll bring you back on Thank afterwards. You. Okay, Kyle? Sounds great. And a tremendous interview there from Kyle Krabs from NDT Scouting, really diving in to their first round for the Miami Dolphins and also taking a look at the tight end position. And again, the draft guy that all of them put a lot of work into, dropped the 20 bucks and said it going out to eat, going to buy yourself two cheeseburgers and a Diet Coke. Put that 20 bucks towards something useful that you're going to be able to impress your friends and girlfriend and wife with when draft night comes. And she will be so impressed with you that good things will happen. All right. And if you do hear hiccups in the background, that is me. Uh, I can't get rid of these hiccups. I've had them for the past two hours. But Michael Jordan played with the flu. We've seen football players play with illnesses. I'm trying to scare you. You're supposed to scare scare me. And I am not going to let a case of the hiccups stop me from doing this podcast tonight. So I'm sorry that you're hearing it. Um, It's just the way it is. I will try to edit this out afterwards. But if you get some in, uh, just deal with it. Um, No one complains. Your mother mother, mother fought through a play of red ants. You can fight through these. (laughs) What what software do you have that's going to get rid of hiccups? Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go into Audacity (laughs) and hit the hiccup filter. (laughs) And say get the hiccup noise sampler and get it out of there. Yeah, great night to have hiccups. But again, no one was complaining when Michael Jordan was on the court with the flu and nailed that game-winning shot, were they? (laughs) So you all can't complain about me getting some hiccups and giving you the best damn podcast there is on the internet when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. But here's here's where where it's going to go, guys. And I'm sorry if I'm stuttering too, but I get a little excited when I get the hiccups, if that makes any sense. Uh, It doesn't make any sense. I don't get excited when I get the hiccups. I just get excited in general. And if you get the NDT scouting draft guide, your girlfriends and wives will get excited too. Or if you're a girl listening, your boyfriend or husband will get excited. So we know that a lot of you, well, not a lot of you, but some of you are not tired of hearing about the first round guys, but you want to move on past the first and second round. So here's what we're going to do for you next week on Finsider Radio. We're not going to touch the first round. We are going to look at rounds three, four, and five because as my boy Sutton said before we came on the air tonight, that's where the drafts are made. You know, the first round, that's easy for teams. 
when you start getting to rounds three, four, and five, it's that's where you build your team, build your depth, build your future starters, and getting the right guys in there to develop. So we're going to really focus in on that next episode, which will launch next week. And we will zero in on multiple targets at multiple positions and give you names and descriptions and reports of guys who may be there in the middle rounds for the Miami Dolphins. But for tonight's episode, you know, we're not going to spend a ton of time left since uh, Kyle gave us a great interview and had very detailed answers. But for you, Sutton, you know, he threw up the piece about Josh Rosen possibly being there at six. And the biggest question is, what could the Dolphins possibly give up? Sutton, you're in that war room with the Miami Dolphins. You're the GM. You call up the Colts, and they say, give us this, 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 and this, and you can move up to six. What are you giving up? And how else I want to ask you the same exact question, because this is the hot topic right now. If the Dolphins move up to six, what do they have to give up? Well, hold on. Let me think about this for a second. You're, you're um, a jerk. You're a jerk. I mean, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, honestly, ironically enough, I'm thinking back to Dion Jordan, what we gave up to Oakland to move up to that spot. And, for all intents and purposes, we won that trade. We didn't draft the right player, but we won the trade. And when you look at the Colts, man, they need literally everything. So there's a strong possibility they might even want to move down again. So not to say that we wouldn't have to outbid someone else, which might be the the biggest obstacle in that kind of move. But I think Colts have every reason to want to move down again. And if we can pull off half capital that we'd have up to move up to that, I can't put it past my tandem mom. Can you guys? I mean, th- this is a guy that moves around, whether it's up or down. This is a guy that doesn't really like to stay put. So I, I can see them getting antsy at 11. So I could see them moving up. I could see them moving down. But if Josh Rosen is on the board at six, Wow, that makes it a very, very interesting conversation in that draft room. Yeah, I got to agree. <laughs> um, for me, I mean, <laughs> that was my best hiccup. For me, I mean, I, I looked it up. I, I tried to find a draft trade chart to, to see what the value was, and I think I tweeted about it a couple times. But it looks like a second and a fourth rounder this year is kind of equal to that value. So the number 11th overall, Miami's second round pick, which is 42, I believe, and then one of their fourth rounders by the trade chart uh, would be enough to move up there to six. But I mean, obviously with teams hungry for quarterbacks, it might cost a little bit more than that. You'd like to ideally maybe throw an Andre branch in that monster contract. It'd be nice to get rid of him. But I mean, if any quarterback falls to six, especially Josh Rose, and I think Miami would heavily consider that. I think uh, Tony Paulini came on here. He said continuously says that that's one of the guys that the Dolphins are willing to move up for. Uh, as Krabs said, he's the most NFL-ready quarterback. I know he has a bit of Jay Cutler's attitude, and I just think uh, if, if you're Adam Gase, you, you took the Dolphins' job knowing that Ryan Tannehill was a hell of a quarterback. I think we all believe he's a hell of a quarterback, and as you heard time and time again, he can't wait to get Tannehill back this year. But at the end of the day, he wasn't hand-chosen by Adam Gase, and I think to have the ability to draft a guy high, a guy as coveted as a guy like Josh Rosen, I think that would be wonders for Adam Gase. It would buy him a little bit more time in Miami, not to say he's on the hot seat, but some of the others may be. And to have a guy there that you can groom a year, sit back and and learn under Ryan Tannehill with the talent and skill set that Josh Rosen has, uh, the biggest biggest concern or issue with him that we continuously hear is 
whether or not he has a love for the game. And I don't know if you guys saw that piece on NFL Network when he was with uh, Aaron Rodgers, but it appears to me that he has all the love in the world for the game of football, and he just wants to be the best there is. So, I mean, I'm not sure how the draft board will fall. None of us do. I think it's pretty clear Baker Mayfield's going to be gone, and I've just been using the New York Jets' Avi for the last freaking three months. But <laughs> at the end of the day, I mean, if Rosen's there, uh, Dolphins have plenty of needs. But I think you make that trade, especially if it if you go by the draft chart and really regardless of what it takes. If, if Rosen's there at six and Indy's ready to do a deal, you assume Buffalo already moved up, you make that trade. You know – when Tony Pauling was on our show a few weeks ago, he said the Dolphins love Baker Mayfield. They also love Josh Rosen. He just doesn't know who they love more. So, you know, this whole thing with Baker, it could be legit. Like I said to Kyle at the beginning of the interview, it, it could just be that they're trying to hide their love for Rosen. And you're right. Tannenbaum loves to move up. Adam Gase said it a few weeks ago at the owners meeting said that Tannenbaum controls the phones. Greer controls the board and he just sits back and lets them do their thing and gives his opinion when it's needed. So if Tannenbaum's on that phone trying to get a trade in the works, he's no stranger to this. So he could work up a nice little deal for the Miami Dolphins. Um, you know, what should they give up to move up to six? If you give up your second round pick, you are giving up basically your tight end. You can get one in the third round, obviously, but you're neglecting positions that need some help. So that's the biggest issue for me, right? So you're giving up your one to move up to one for another for another one. So you possibly could get Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, Tremaine Edmonds, or Roquan Smith. You're going to get one of those guys. You can get a game-changing player on the defensive side of the ball who can start for you day one, or you trade up for a quarterback who's going to sit for a year. Now, I don't have a problem with a quarterback sitting for a year, but you still have a gaping hole at tight end. You still have a gaping hole in the secondary unless you sign Kenny Vaccaro, but he was last in the league, according to PFF last year. So he's there for one year. You give up your two. Then you're looking at tight ends in three or linebacker in three and tight end in four or linebacker in four. And you're rolling with Vaccaro. Now, if Josh Rosen is the franchise quarterback that people think he is, or let's say Baker Mayfield falls to six and the Dolphins trade up for him, and he's the franchise quarterback everyone is saying that he is. And then you deal with it, and is your linebacker or secondary hole going to really matter when they take the field either in 2018 if Tannehill gets hurt, God forbid, or 2019 when they move on from Tannehill? That's the biggest question for me. You almost have to then. I mean, there's really no good way for the Dolphins to move around up to six. The report from Mel Kuyper said that they were trying to still keep their first-round pick by moving up to six. I don't know how you do that. You probably trade away your future first-rounder, right? You trade away your first-rounder next year, uh, possibly your second-rounder this year to keep your first this year. But then the Colts are dropping out of the first round completely. So, I mean, I highly doubt they're going to do that. I think you might be able to keep your second if you try to throw Devontae Parker in there. So then you're throwing in Devontae and the number 11 overall pick to move to number six. You can also maybe look at throwing another guy in there, possibly Andre Branch as a throw, as a gimme, perhaps TJ McDonald. Uh, you know, this isn't Madden, so it's not that, that easy, but I don't know. I think it is a lot to move up for a quarterback and still leave those gaping holes there. You know, if you tell me the Dolphins can get Minka, Derwin, Tremaine, or Roquan at 11, 
one of the top tight ends at, in the second round to quarterback in a third or running back in the fourth, I think I'd sign up for that. Um, but, you know, the prospect of having a Josh Rosen there, a young Josh Rosen, a young quarterback, yeah, the concussion concerns are there. But if the Dolphins feel comfortable with it, he's your guy for the next 10 years, hopefully. And Adam Gase gets his quarterback. Enough of the first round. Kyle talked about tight ends. We've talked about all these guys ad nauseum for the past few weeks. Next week, we're going to really focus on rounds three, four, five. So let's jump right now to Jarvis Landry, who got a mega contract on Thursday morning. It's a five-year deal, $47 million guaranteed, average of $15 million per year. Incredible deal for Jarvis Landry. It shows why the Dolphins did not keep him. How's your thoughts on that deal for Landry? Yeah, I think it's a great deal for Landry. I think uh, he, he got the money that he was kind of chasing here in Miami. But ultimately, I mean, there's no way in hell the Dolphins could have paid him that. I mean, whether or not you think he's a slot wide receiver, you think he's a legit number one wide receiver that can make plays throughout an, enti- an entire offense, whatever you decide your opinion is of Jarvis Landry, I mean, that's a hell of a lot of money, $47 million guaranteed. I think they said that was, what, third most for a, a wide receiver. So, I mean – Cleveland had the cap space. That was kind of their intention when they traded for him. A hell of a deal for Jarvis Landry, but there was just no way the Dolphins could have made that happen. I mean, honestly, from my opinion, and kudos to Jarvis, and I even defended him on Twitter today just because there's still a lot of people out there saying, well, he – he got paid all this money and he had like 987 yards last year. Well, it's like, yeah, no shit. We threw to him around the line of scrimmage all the time. So of course his yardage is going to be down. He was still one of the best players in the NFL and yak. So that's just what the offense had to try to, to do last year to manufacture yards and drive. So um, to, to think that was a slight to him, I, I didn't really like that. Now, granted, I didn't want to pay him that much, okay? Uh, He was a great player. I I enjoyed his legacy uh, that he had here. Um, But but I can't agree with the price tag. Depends how uh, the the production works out for him in Cleveland. The, The one chink in the armor that I can see is that he doesn't have the production like he had in Miami, and then it becomes an issue uh, in the media and stuff. And, and that would be not very endearing me being here in Cleveland and knowing how this fan base works. Uh, it's not going to endear him to the fan base to come out year one, getting paid a mega contract and complaining about uh, not having production. And I can see that in this Cleveland offense. So uh, we'll see if they're able to sprinkle anything together, but kudos to him for getting paid. But, uh, I, I, I think being able to channel that money into different things was, was better long-term for the Dolphins. Huge contract, like we just mentioned. Too rich for the Dolphins to pay. He ranks up there. I believe it's the fifth highest receiver in the NFL, right along with Julio Jones and Antonio Brown for annual average per year. We don't know the practical guarantees versus the guaranteed at signing, but if you go off the guaranteed at signing 47 mil, That's the highest paid in the NFL. More details need to come out about it, but we saw Jarvis Landry here for several years. Great player. No one's doubting that. He is not a game changer. 
yes, he's had great catches and great yards after the catch and fierce battles with other defenders. But he's not the guy where you say we're down by six with a minute left or a minute 30 left. We need to go deep. Landry is not your guy. Landry's the guy that's going to get you first downs and keep the drive alive for a while. But he's not going to be that guy where you can toss it up there down the field to make a huge play when you need it the most. And the Browns fans might get upset with that. And that's a huge contract for a guy who's not a game changer. But props to Lancher for getting that contract. And best of luck to him in Cleveland. Yeah, just real quick on that contract. You have to think about Cleveland and the success that they've had or lack thereof. And you almost you have to have a minimum out of spending towards the salary cap. So right, right, right. If anything, you know, finally we have a free agent that has come to us and wants to paid wants to be paid top dollar. Let's give it to him. You you have to pay somebody, and Cleveland was paying nobody. So perhaps this was just. A, a happy, a, a perfect storm for him, so to speak, to come into Cleveland who has that much money and be able to capitalize on the circumstances. You're absolutely right. How it's anything else? Yeah, I just want to say it's going to be exciting to see uh, whatever rookie quarterback the Browns decide to draft. Jarvis Landry, uh, who they, did they get Carlos Hyde, I believe? They could draft a running back. Uh, they got Josh Gordon opposite Landry, uh, David Njoku. Uh, regardless of what you think of the Cleveland Browns, I mean, that offense is young and it's going to be exciting to watch. So kudos to the Browns, uh, John Dorsey for getting that stuff done. And I'm excited to see what they can do in the AFC North. All right. We hope you had a informative session here on Finside Radio. I do apologize for my hiccups, but I don't really apologize because I have absolutely no control over it. I can't do anything about it. Uh, If it messes up your listening experience, we will offer full refunds to your uh, viewership subscription of $0 and 0 cents. But please do come back next week as we focus on the middle round. Very special episode. We're going to bring on some of the biggest draft names out there in the business, and we're going to get them lined up. We're working the phones right now, trying to get them secured for that week, for the days leading up to the draft to get the latest and greatest information. We're going to try to bring Tony Pauling back on. We're going to bring some other guys back on as well. Before I hang up the show, um, I just want to reiterate what I've been saying on Twitter. As of right now, Here is the Dolphins' plan, and this has been confirmed by multiple people and multiple other sources. If there is no quarterback on the board at six, the Dolphins are not going to trade up. Although I did hear some rumblings about them trading up for Minka, but I don't see it. They don't expect a quarterback to be there at 11, or they don't expect to be in position to trade up far enough to get that quarterback they want before six. So they're looking at linebacker or safety in the first round. I've been told their target is squared up on Minka. I have listened to other people as well and tried to talk to them about that. And everyone's saying something a little bit different, but everyone's saying sort of the same thing where Minka is definitely one of the guys in a mix. Some are saying Roquan's the guy. Others are saying Derwin's the guy. No matter which way you slice it, you're looking at either Derwin, Minka, Roquan, or Tremaine Edmonds there at 11. And one of them should absolutely be there, especially if the quarterbacks go in the top five, which could very well happen. In round two, they're looking at tight end. They are squarely focused on tight end there. Now, if a Mason Rudolph falls to two, they may switch up and go there, especially if Dallas Goddard's off the board and whoever they have in their second tight end slot is off the board. 
Number three, round three, they look to go quarterback. Round four, they look to go running back. Round three and four can be flipped or flopped depending on, on the board, according to those close to the situation. Round five, they're looking to go defensive tackle. And then throughout the rest of the draft, building depth according to best player available. So that is the Dolphins plan right as of today. It has not changed over the past few days. It has only gotten stronger based on the sources that I have been collaborating with. And we're all agreeing on the same thing. So take that with what you will. Understand that a quarterback dropping changes absolutely everything in the draft for the Dolphins. Know that they would love to draft a quarterback in the first round. Know that they will explore every avenue to trade up if the opportunity presents itself. And know that their love is possibly more for Josh Rosen than it is for Baker Mayfield. And also understand that if they draft Josh Allen, I think Dolphins Twitter will erupt in flames. Because I'm not sure anyone's really high on that guy. And it will erupt even more if Vitavia is the pick at 11. When you got other guys like Minka, Derwin, Roquan, and Tremaine possibly on the board as well. All right, so that is going to do it for us this week on Finsider Radio. For certain, the creepy doctor dad and House MD, I am MC Money, the hiccup man. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up a bottle of Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale for $7.99. Plus, earn double O Rewards points. Help your engine run smoother and last longer with Seafoam Motor Treatment on sale now at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly.
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check it out. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.